Romance across international borders always promises an interesting story. We've got three of them right now on Travel with Rick Steves. We're joined by three American-born women who each developed a fondness for the style and culture of Italy, fell in love with Italian men, and settled into a new life there. Karen Kibbe grew up in Corvallis, Oregon, and just like in a movie, her Roman holiday fantasy came true. She now lives with her husband in Tuscany. Anne Long is originally from Chicago, but found the beauty of Sorrento impossible to leave. She's made it her home now for more than 30 years. And Lisa Anderson grew up in the Seattle area and is now raising her family in a village near Lake Como in the north of Italy. Karen and Lisa, thanks so much for joining us. Lisa, how did your adventure start in Italy? I went to Italy to teach English, thinking I was going to have a short-term educational experience, learning to speak the language and... Instead, I met my husband. He was one of my students. He was an adult student. I need to add that because I did not teach children <laughs> private school. He very wanted good clarification. to. <laughs> Thank you. The first time we went out, we had a dictionary between us on the table, which was very funny. Actually, before he even asked me out, he asked me if it would be correct for him to ask me out. It was funny. He came to class one day. He'd been coming every other week for about six or seven months. I'd never looked twice at the man. I mean, wasn't my type. I wasn't looking for anything. And he said, well, would it be okay or appropriate if I were to invite you to dinner? And then he didn't invite me to dinner. He had to wait. I had to wait two <laughs> weeks for the invitation. <laughs> I'm like, okay, did I miss something here? Are you getting ready to invite somebody else out? Anyway, two weeks later, he actually invited me to dinner. And how many years ago was that? That was in 1997. Long time ago. And how's his English now? It's pretty darn good. I bet it's good. Yeah. All right. Anne Long, tell us about your story. Well, I went over to Italy as a tourist several times, and then I decided I wanted to go for six months to learn the language and ended up staying. I've been 34 years there, and I was married for 28 years. I'm a widow now, but I found an Italian who was taller than me in southern Italy, <laughs> and I couldn't let the opportunity pass. And where was that, and what was his name? Sorrento. I, Sorrento. I, Always stayed in Sorrento, and uh, my husband was Luigi. Luigi, of perfect. <laughs> Luigi, tower than you, Sorrento. What's not to like about that? And Karen Kibbe. I actually came to Italy in 1999, and I fell in love with the country first and was already tour guiding when I met my husband in Rome. Um, he's from Tuscany. His name is Fabrizio. And we met at a mutual friend's birthday party, and I concocted a story, because he works in a bank, about how I was interested in buying property in Italy. And so after two weeks of messages back and forth about how to get property in Italy, I finally asked him out for a beer. And he picked me up on a scooter, because his car had been stolen, and he thought this was very inappropriate to pick a woman up on a scooter. That's something you do when you're a teenager. But for me, it was very Roman holiday to go whipping around Rome and out to a pizzeria on the back of a motor scooter. And that was it for me. And we moved to Tuscany to be closer to his family. Fabrizio. Fabrizio. You know, if I was uh, happened to be a woman in Italy <laughs> looking for men, I'll tell you the names are just, to me, sexy. Alessandro, Fabrizio. <laughs> Even Luigi. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. Lisa, what is your husband's name? Mauro. Mauro. There's another good one. Now, Lisa, you live in... Piemonte. Piemonte, up in the north. Mm -hmm. And Karen, you live... In Tuscany, on the coast. In Tuscany, on the coast. Livorno, is Livorno. Right? Mm -hmm. All right, yeah. You all eventually got married. Were there any surprises after you were committed to each other and settled down? Was there anything that, okay, now the honeymoon's over, this is the way it's going to be? 
with me, it had to do with cooking because I never professed to be a good cook. Mm-hmm. And yet it was expected that a three-course meal was going to be on the table every day. Traditional roles. Traditional roles mm-hmm. that you had to do it. And if not, somebody would shrivel up and die. So we had to do the cooking. And, then <laughs> and that's said, the woman's place. That's right. All that's right. right. I, was, I didn't have to do a three-course meal every day, but I was expected to do lunch and dinner, a proper meal, a hot meal, mm-hmm. a wholesome meal. I could not pull something out of the freezer or pop it out of a can. No TV dinners, no, no microwaving. No, in no. fact, you had probably a built-in mother-in-law to teach you if you needed. I did. I did. <laughs> Actually, we that. ended up with a really nice exchange going after a while because when I first moved in with my husband, we were thinking we were going to get our own apartment, but we couldn't actually find a place to live immediately. And they had a, an apartment next door to theirs where they wanted us to live. And I was thinking, we'll live here while we look for something else. No. And we didn't have anything in the apartment because when you move into a place in Italy, unless you're renting a furnished apartment, it's empty. I mean, literally walls, you don't have closets, you have nothing. So we were, we didn't have a kitchen. And so we had to eat with my mother-in-law every day. I gained 10 pounds before I learned to say no. Wow. She was a great cook. Now, this is an interesting issue. When you do marry an Italian guy, you're also kind of... Um... You're marrying their family. There's no word for privacy in Italian. Mm-hmm. And so mother-in-laws do feel that you don't necessarily have your private space, and that mm-hmm. can be very interesting. They can walk in at any time. Is that right? So they just, you're part of the family, and, you know, we're all together here, and, and there is that intimacy that's more very. intimate than you might want. Well, my mother-in-law, on a few occasions, has actually come to my house when I'm on tour, and wanting to be very nice, it comes from a very good place in her heart, she will clean the house from top to bottom, and she will take all of my clothes out of my drawers and my closets and wash them, dry them, iron them, dry clean them, whatever they need, and <laughs> then put them all back in a very nice fashion. Whoa. Which is That's kind, of, kind of invasive. You get, you're kind of invasive. <laughs> yeah. And it took me a while to realize she was doing it from a good place in her heart, not as a critique of me and how I keep my closets. Have any of you had experience raising kids with an Italian mother-in-law yes. kind of helping out? Lisa, yes. tell me about well, that. Well, I mean, it's just expected that they are the babysitters if you need right. child care. And, you know, in hindsight, I don't have my in-laws anymore, but my mother-in-law was an amazing help mm-hmm. in terms of child care. But at the same time, you know, when she, when I needed child care and she wasn't available, I decided that my child should get used to going to a daycare So it wasn't a complete shock to his system. And my mother-in-law was extremely offended by that. And the daycare in our particular town, they're called baby parking, which I think is a brilliant So why would you go to a daycare when you got the mother-in-law right there? Is there something wrong with me? Exactly. Oh, my goodness. And then then, so she would, if she walked into town, because our town is small, and she'd walk past the daycare, and she says, why didn't you tell me Filippo was at baby parking (laughs) today? I walked by the window, and he started crying. Oh. Oh. Baby parking? Baby parking. Isn't <laughs> that a great name? Is that what it's called? Baby the, the daycare center? Yeah. Just park your baby here. Park your baby. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking about marrying into Italy and any surprises you may encounter. Is there any sort of general comment you can make comparing American men and, and how they treat their women and Italian men and how they treat their women? And Well, American men... Many of them have grown up with working mothers, so they're used to the fact that the wife is outside of the house and that you share jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one night, if you cook, I wash the dishes. The next night, it's the opposite. The Italians don't do that. There's none of that back that. and forth. You're not going to negotiate this one away. <laughs> no. <laughs> and Karen Kibbe, it sounds like you, uh, you sort of initiated things. You asked your man out first. I did. Was that kosher? Does that happen he a lot in Italy? He didn't mind. Um, I don't know that it happens very often. So that would be the uh, that would be the exception. I think it would be the exception mm-hmm. for the most part. Is that a cultural difference at all? I don't know, but my husband dresses better than 
any American man I know. Right. They spend well, more time in the bathroom. That they is spend interesting. More, he spends more time in the bathroom than I do. <laughs> so it's probably fair to say that in America, the guys will be hanging out wondering what's taking so long. Why is the woman in the rest in the bathroom getting all fixed up? Right. And in Italy, Opposite. it's almost flip flop. That's mm-hmm. right. And they have as many products in their uh, the medicine cabinet for their beauty care that, as we do. <laughs> Lisa Anderson, any thoughts on that? My husband's pretty non-traditional from that point mm, of same view. With mine. You know, he helps with housework, mm-hmm. but I have had friends who have said, "Wow, your husband's amazing. There is no way my husband would ever let me do what you do." Same. And I say, "Let me do. My husband would not be my husband if he didn't let me do my <laughs> job." <laughs> so this must be a little bit of a oddity for your husbands to take you out in their Italian circles. Well, I was very lucky though with my husband because being from the south some of his friends would say, how do you let your wife travel as a tour manager? Just out, that notion. Yeah, how would you outside, let your wife... Right, two weeks away. away who knows you. what she's doing those two weeks? And but, let her. Right. Like, let give permission. Give permission. And she's, like Anne was saying, you don't know what she's doing every night. That's right. It's probably an indicating that you should not be comfortable letting them out for two Well, the weeks. trust factor is a very important thing in any marriage. It doesn't matter what nationality you are. But, but how does it work in Italy? I mean, in, in France, it's kind of understood. A lot of men will have a mistress. Uh, is that acceptable in Italy? Or have you guys said, I'm an American and, and that's just not going to go? Or is that also the same standard in Italy? Lisa, Karen, any ideas on that? Whether it's acceptable it's not going to have well, a... It's not, it would, not go go, it would not go well with me either. But in Italian culture I, in general, is this is this commonplace? You know, literally, Italian divorce is hard to get if you need a divorce. So people will have an affair before they get divorced. And it's actually better than it once was. It used to be a seven-year separation before you could be legally divorced. Mm -hmm. Now it's a three-year separation before you can legally divorce. So a lot of affairs are actually, these are dead marriages. They're dead marriages. People who can't have a divorce. And of course she's having an affair because this love is dead. And he is and she is. Or maybe it's also a little more spoken. I mean, I, I don't know that the rates are any higher than in the United States, but here it's a very much, you don't talk about it and it people are looked very down upon if they've had an affair. Instead, over there, I think people realize that it happens. People are not considered horrible people because they've had an affair. In part because it's so hard to get a divorce in this Catholic country of Italy. Right. In, in part, yeah. Yeah. And they don't have the financial means either, The sometimes the women, in order to get a divorce. So everybody does their own thing but lives under a communal roof. And I think we should, This I don't want to have a downer here, but it's easy <laughs> to fall in love with Alessandro and Fabrizio. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> remember, harder to stay in love with them. <laughs> ten years later, That's he's, right. he's uh, not quite the same shape and not quite the same sort of uh, attraction. And you've got kids, and you've got heavy traditions. You have It's much more the... complicated. But I want to dispel some myths, too. I think that Italian, you know, not all Italian men are Don Giovanni's that no, absolutely are not. out there hitting on women left and right. You know, lots of people assume that Italian men are very... Loose with their morals. Yeah, loose with their morals, and Players, that they're not yeah. dedicated to their families or the women in their lives. This has been so interesting. We've got to wrap it up, and I, I would just like to finish with each of you. Just finish with one of the joys of your married life in Italy, you as an American who married into Italian culture. Anne Long? I really got the appreciation for family. I, I had my in-laws above my head. They lived above my head for the whole time. And it was just the closeness of having a support system there that they were very caring with each other. And although it seemed interfering, they were together. Uh, Lisa Anderson. 
I would agree with that. You know, that now that I don't have that support system, I realize what I had. And there were times where I just wanted to strangle my mother-in-law mm-hmm. because it felt so suffocating and invasive. But, you know, she had our best interests at heart. And all in all, now that they're gone, you miss them. I miss them. And I also appreciate, if I can add one more thing, the way they raised my husband and how dedicated he is to us, to his wife and his kids. Beautiful. Karen Kibbe. I'm going to slip food in here. I am incredibly appreciative of my mother-in-law's cooking. (laughs) (laughs) I am incredibly appreciative of my husband that sits and lingers, even if we're just eating a frozen pizza, and we sit in the kitchen and we talk every single night. And when we go to dinner together, even by ourselves, it is very likely to be a three-hour-long dinner. (laughs) And I really have a great appreciation for the love of food that the Italians have and how integrated it is into our lives, our daily lives, and how much it means for our families all to be together and eat. Right. That's a beautiful thing. The hearth is a very important, it's a sacred place in the Italian family. It is, it and is. we do you also do sit down every right. day. Anne Long, Karen Kibbe, Lisa Anderson, thank you so much and best wishes. Thanks, Rick. Thanks a thank lot, you. Rick. Rick Steves has spent a third of his adult life in Europe researching and writing guidebooks. His classic, Europe Through the Back Door, teaches the skills of smart travel. Rick Steves' Italy is America's top-selling Italian guidebook. At Rick Steves' online travel store, you'll also find guides for Rome, Venice, Florence, and Tuscany, and Rick's Italian phrasebook. To learn more about Rick's guidebooks for Italy and beyond, visit the travel store at ricksteves.com.